creating cultural awareness and understanding. This is Culture Click. Culture Click is written and produced by KQAL FM on the campus of Winona State University. Today on Culture Click, we're listening to part two of the Winona County History Center 22nd Annual Voices from the Past Cemetery Walk. They talked all about Winona's former scoundrels, scandals, and skullduggery through 10 different performance sites. I'm Riley Harris. Stick around to learn more about Winona's history on Culture Click. Does anyone remember if you were at the uh, performance in here a couple of years ago and there was a Mr. Joseph Schlingerman who sold uh, well, they, they called it snake oil. I, don't, I like to call it an elixir. I don't like the other. But does anybody remember that? And one of the one of the people in the audience actually sampled it. Didn't, didn't Judge Libra uh, have a strong resemblance to Joseph Slingerman? <laughs> Unbelievable, really. Uh, anyway, uh, site five is next, and it's uh, bank robbery. All right, everybody settled now. Yeah? I don't want to waste a whole lot of time here because I've always realized that a split second makes all the difference in the world. Am I right? Mm -hmm. Ah, see, I knew you would understand because you came just in time for the second round, right? <laughs> yeah. Sorry, guys in back. See, split seconds make all the difference. I almost died in 1930, and I know, I know, that probably doesn't mean much to you because I'm already dead. My grades out at Woodlawn, but I lived 74 long years. 50 of them were married. <laughs> but that almost didn't happen. Just like that. Well, you tell me all about it. Why, my whole life changed that very same day, and you know, it changed just like that. So would have mine if I never met you. Oh, you too? You are the last people on earth I'd ever want to see again. Then why'd you go call me up snapping your fingers like that? What do you want? Why snap your darn fingers and call me? Well, you're the last person I'd be calling Ma now or back then. Ungrateful and spiteful. You always was. And Wyoming here, that was his nickname. But anyway, I was, it, it, I was. All right, all right. We got a story to tell. I can't leave it up to them. October 23rd, 1930. It was... A Thursday. I told Wyoming we should wait until Friday. Who robs a bank on a Thursday? You wait until the whole darn week's take is deposited. Never was good at math or logic. Ah, yeah, we got a call saying the, the bank in Stockton was being held up. After we... Whose idea was it? It was, it was Wyoming's idea to, to rob the bank on a Thursday instead of a Friday. Uh, what's wrong with that? It was, my, it was your idea to pick the Stockton Farmer's Bank. And it would have worked if not for that Gustav Sykes. Uh, of all the banks in all the world we could have robbed, we picked the one with the hero teller. Did he look like a hero to you? He was trembling. It was that Miss R.P. Thurton, the Stockton operator in the store next door, that put out the emergency call within seconds. See? Split seconds. So I was heading up that hill as soon as we got the call, and they were heading back down the hill. So I turned my motorcycle around, but the squad car behind me didn't see me, clipped me. I went skidding and stopped right before that ravine. You know, 
You've driven that road. You know how steep it is. My leg was all banged up. My hip was almost broken. I could have been killed. Meanwhile, we had headed up the hill to Winkles and Goodview. But we got, but we ran out of road and got out and were running. And the cops, the cops were really slowed down because they were trying to climb and carry a machine gun. Yeah, but as soon as you hit a clearing, I got a few oh. shots off at you. But, but, and you can't make this up. We ran smack into oh. Bison Stone Quarrymen. <laughs> and then, and then, the fight was on. They, mu they must not have done much fighting in Wyoming. That was his nickname. That was his nickname because we lived on a ranch there when Victor was just a boy. And then you up and dragged us here to Minnesota. Never told us why. Well, what was I supposed to tell you? That you could fight so well because your daddy used to hit me? Well, well, well Wyoming here might have been a good fighter as a boy, but he couldn't land a punch for squat. He was getting whipped by those quarry men. Oh, they held him up just long enough for us to get there. And we clamped our handcuffs on him, and we brought him back down the hill. I'm telling you, if not for those two big quarry men, it it's getting been... to be a lot of these, if not four, split seconds. My foot. Maybe it was exactly what it was meant to be. A big, fat, botched series of stupid mistakes. Story of my life. You can say that again. We got to share the reward. Nine of us. Three from Winona. $1,000 <laughs> from the Minnesota Bankers Association. You, but 10 years later, you became sheriff. Yeah. Well, we got five to 20 in the reformery. I felt sorry for you, being an orphan and all, and, and things were really tough. It was the big, this thing going on called the Big Depression. I was just trying to feed Victor and his two sisters. We had it bad, but I never wanted no trouble for any of us. For me, it was never getting over losing my parents. And then a few years later, my twin brother. I was all alone. I served seven years and finally got out, but then was arrested for drunk driving in 1940. And after that, just never found my footing. My life was a story with a bad beginning and sort of downhill from there. I spent nine years. After that, I moved down to Florida, long way from Winona. Even longer from Wyoming. And further from me, even though I helped save your hide. Well, it don't matter none. It took me a while to be known for more than a bank robber's mother, but I did finally manage to get remarried. A bad beginning and downhill from there. It sounds like this whole scene, right? <laughs> You're gonna depress them telling the story that way. We stopped a bank robbery, right? Yeah! <laughs> and then I was sheriff. Sure but not a day went by that someone didn't ask me, how did you survive that motorcycle bang up? Or how did you get those shots off with all that gunfire going off right by you? All it takes is one afternoon. Like trying to rob a bank on a Thursday instead of a Friday. And a lot of darn burn bad luck. Like moving from Wyoming to Winona. And you're going to find your history written down right for you. You'll be locked up tight in a crime bank robbery story with these folks. <laughs> anyway, we're going to let you all get out of jail free. Thank you. It's funny how that TV show that used to be called World's Dumbest Criminals that comes to mind see <laughs> these people. Um, the next uh, site is site six, which is scandals. 
and it has to do with a prominent Winona name of Lamberton. So we'll have site six. Well, hello, Gretchen. Well, Mr. W. Kenneth Nissen, it's Mrs. Lamberton to you. Pardon, madam. Tell me, what do you think of all these people turning our final resting place into some kind of rogues gallery? Oh, I always just reminds me of why we attorneys rarely miss a meal, as you know very well yourself, Mrs. Lamberton. I do believe that your husband probably earned, oh, a dime or two as a member of the bar. Well, yes. If you're a defense attorney, crime really does pay. But you, you were always on the opposite side of the courtroom. All those years as Winona County attorney, well, you must have met quite a few folks of the um, lower orders. Uh, truth enough, but there were a fair number of folks that uh, came under my official scrutiny who were respectable citizens until they had their day in court. And in fact, your husband and I spent a rather interesting three days trying to unravel the shenanigans of a group of those fellows. Oh, oh, of course. That was um, 1949, 1950. That's when the entire Winona County Board was fired for, for taking bribes. Yes, but not all of them, four of the five. Teoflo uh, Pulaski, who was represented the city of Winona, well, he kept his nose clean, but the other folks got their fingers caught in the cookie jar. Well, I seem to remember my husband, H.M. Lambton, well, he represented the only one whose case went to trial. It seems the scheme kind of fell apart before the man got paid, and he seemed to think he shouldn't be punished for just agreeing to take a bribe. <laughs> that was Augie Gensmer. And he did figure that I didn't get the $300 I was supposed to get. So, no crime, no harm. <laughs> Too bad for him the law doesn't feel that way about it. Well, it seems to me he was, he was pretty dramatic about it. Uh, he surely was. He's the only person I ever knew that could actually command a heart attack. He had one at his plea hearing, and then he had another one right after the jury brought in a guilty verdict. But it couldn't have been too severe because he lived until 1984. <laughs> but the others, they all pled guilty. Uh, they had all read the state examiner's report. 36 pages of fine print detailing at least 14 schemes since 1945 that were designed to put a little extra cash in all of the commissioner's pockets every time the county order a new piece of heavy construction equipment. I heard talk that the county commissioners actually had something they called the 5% policy. To have a winning bid, you had to deposit 5% of the bid price with one of the agreeable commissioners in exchange for a yes vote. Can you imagine? Yeah, well, I just think they were just a bunch of good old boys. <laughs> well, how do you think this all came to light in the first place? Well, Mr. Richard Collins, who published that report we mm -hmm. talked about, he was auditing Winona County's books, and he noticed some anomalies. So he decided to take up the matter with the council member, and surprise, he found out their votes were very cheap, about $1,200 per commissioner. Uh, it seems to me crime doesn't pay very well at all. Hmm. <laughs> Well, what did they all do when Colin caught up with them? <laughs> well, they realized that their fair-weather friends, the heavy equipment salesmen, had ratted on them, and there wasn't a thing they could do about it. 
So they all entered guilty pleas, except for good old Augie. He got tried at a later date and was found guilty. Well, my husband, H.M., he actually felt a little bit sorry for the men. No, he went before the judge to plead for clemency. He pointed out, and rightly so, that none of those men had even a high school education. He argued that really they were just victims of a, a group of fast-talking Twin City Sharpies who threw around a lot of money and played them for a bunch of suckers. Uh, they wined them and dined them pretty good. There was lots of meals, there was lots of liquor, and fishing trips all on top of the cash they had already received. And every one of them knew that whole time that you cannot exchange your vote for money or for gifts. Oh, well, the judge certainly made that clear when he sentenced them. There was no leniency there. Oh, I don't know, Mr. Nissen. Do you think any good could come out of all this scandal? We focused attention on something that was going on all across the state of Minnesota, and the businesses that were involved in our case admitted that uh, payments to public officials had become part of the way of business as usual. Yes, well, I'm hoping and I think that the decisions that made on our behalf and in other counties are going to put a kibosh to that. And I think that would be a good thing, and I hope it sticks. But I have another engagement I must head to, so it was nice to see you, Gretchen. <gasps> It's Mrs. Lamberton to you. Oh, that man. You've been listening to the Winona County History Center Cemetery Walk 2021. Do you love podcasts but crave local content? Well, now you can keep it local with KQAL Podcasts on KQAL.org. Hear interviews with Minnesota bands, artists, chefs, comedians, historians, community leaders, and more. KQAL Podcasts, keeping it local on kqal.org. Also listen to KQAL on Spotify, Apple, Google, or anywhere you get your podcasts. You've been listening to the Winona County History Center Cemetery Walk 2021. This is the next, uh, next site is jailbreak. This has nothing to do with scandals or jailbreak. It's just an unbelievably uh, strange historical fact. Thomas Jefferson and uh, John Adams were very good friends and allies through the American Revolution. Afterward, they, become bit, they became uh, bitter enemies, almost to the end of their lives. Later on, uh, as they uh, uh, got older, they started communicating again with each other. The irony is they both died on the same day uh, in 1826. Both died on the same day. The day was the 4th of July, which happened to be the 50th anniversary of the Declaration, the signing of that. I mean, it's, that's just so strange. And uh, it's reported that John Adams' last words were not knowing that Jefferson was dying at the same time. His last words were, Thomas Jefferson survives. Just a strange story. So, Okay, uh, site seven, jailbreak. Oh, good evening. And welcome to my gravesite. My wife, Grace, is in my gravesite. Hi, and I'm uh, August Bingold, born in 1894, died in 1980. Um, I was worked on a, well, a police force from uh, 1923 uh, to 1959, starting out as a patrolman and rising all the way up to be the uh, chief of police. Uh, the folks at the History Center thought I could do a bang-up job 
um, uh, to talk about uh, incarceration. That's kind of a fancy word for uh, throwing people in jail. And I've asked somebody who uh, knew the ins and outs of jails and worked in this area for uh, quite a number of years to help me with the research and also uh, the presentation. Say hello to um, Kate Barker, um, AKA uh, Arizona Barker. Uh, you probably know her best as uh, the notorious Mom Barker. Good, after good evening, Mom. Well, hey, Gus. Chief, please. Oh, Chief. You know, you and these fine folks here, you need to know that I don't know the ins and outs of jails. So I ain't never been, what'd you call it, incinerated? <laughs> Incarcerated, Mom. Well, I was just trying to raise my four boys after I throwed their no-good daddy out of the house. <laughs> Them boys were such a handful, always getting into trouble. My oldest boy, Herman, uh, he got himself arrested. First one to be arrested, and he was still a teenager. He was born the same year as you, Chief. Got himself killed in 1927 in a police shootout. Well, from what I've been hearing about your four boys, uh, they would be a handful for any, anyone, Mom. Mm. Uh, say, you've been working with uh, Andy and Walt and Nikki down at the, uh, at the archives to uh, do some research. What have you found out about the jails here? Well, did you know that in the early days, Winona's police chief had to hold those prisoners in his own house? Mm. And his wife had to do the cooking for him. Oh. <laughs> My grace would never have put up with being a cook for crooks, I'll tell you that. Wasn't until late 1850s they finally got a holding cell in Winona. It was a dungeon. My lord, those poor prisoners chained to a wall and all in a deep, dreary cellar. <laughs> in 1860, though, the uh, Winona finally got a two-unit uh, jail cell in the new city hall building. And then two years after that, they worked with the county to build an even larger jail. Of course, they had their first escapee within a month of that new jail being opened up. And he had a very appropriate name. His name was John Walker. <laughs> well, you know, my middle boy, Arthur, he done escaped from jail too, but he got caught. He got sent back to Oklahoma State Prison. Got out about the same time as his kid brother, Freddie, my youngest boy, got out of the Kansas State Prison. Long about that time, we heard that business was pretty good up in these here parts, so we uh, moved on up to St. Paul. A little later, we moved over to Menominee, and we traveled all around this area looking for opportunities. <laughs> I'd hoped that my second-born boy, Lloyd, would have joined us, but he's still doing his 25 at Leavenworth, so. Say, Chief, I bet you had some big jailbreaks in your time on the force. I can't remember any big ones, Ma, but I can tell you about a, a very small one. Um, the first few years that I was uh, a patrolman, we ran into this uh, young kid who was arrested for stealing butter from the um, Senegal Creamery. They threw him into jail over there, uh, but he broke out. But he broke out of jail by going through a hole this how does somebody break and squeeze to a hole that small? Well, must have used a lot of that butter, huh? <laughs> <laughs> hey, Chief. What about, uh... The women folk? Yeah, where do you like those <laughs> women folk, huh? 
Well, you know, uh, I knew you were going to ask about that because you're so concerned about uh, well, yeah, winding yeah. up in jail yourself. <laughs> well, um, in Winona, starting in 1895, the police department uh, started having a separate room for the women prisoners because, uh, as you just mentioned, uh, women can also break the law. Well, as I told you, Chief, and these fine folks here, I ain't never been in jail. I mean, ain't a lick of evidence putting me at any crime scene. It was that FBI and J. Edgar Hoover called me criminal mastermind. Notorious my barker. <laughs> Why? I was just trying to keep my boys, make sure they had a hot meal when they come home after a hard day at work. Say, Chief, didn't you lock up that Howard fella? Yeah, I, I was retired from the, from the police force by then, um, but I was still living in town. Uh, when that all came down, when, when it was, uh, one of Winona's biggest murder cases and, and jailbreaks. Um, Don Howard uh, was a successful businessman, uh, the uh, father of two young girls, and in love with a pretty young woman. Only problem was he was also married to another woman. <laughs> he hired someone to, uh, to, to kill his wife so that he could start a new life of his own. Yeah. He hired a trigger man. Um, he asked two other people to, um, to first uh, to, to kill his wife, but they said no. Um, and he found a third one, a guy named Bruce Weber, who on August the 13th, 1977, um, snuck into the, into the Howard house when he wasn't there and, uh, and, and shot her in cold blood. Well, um, see, the thing with him is he, he had plenty of evidence against him. Um, and he had many flaws, not the least of which is that um, he talked too much. Those, those, those two guys, you know, that he asked, they said, we're, they were very afraid of being implicated in that murder, so they went straight to the police. And uh, soon he was captured along with uh, this Bruce Weber and thrown into jail. I never said I was perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Just that I was a caring and attentive mother yeah. with some flaws. Well, Howard had more than one flaw, that's for sure. But on this jailbreak that he did, uh, that was following in October, um, Don Howard received uh, one evening a package delivered to his jail cell. Now, it wasn't FedEx, no, it was, a, it was a, in the form of a package thrown up to his second floor window. Uh, in this package was a hacksaw blade. The package was thrown up there by his girlfriend, who was not part of the murder plot at all. She just didn't want to see the man that she loved in jail. So he took the package and uh, used the hacksaw to cut through the iron bars in his jail, on his jail window, dropped down to two floors to the ground, and off he sped with his, uh, his girlfriend to Louisiana. Mm -hmm. But they were caught within a couple of weeks, and, and he was brought back to, uh, to face justice. He, received, he was found guilty of first-degree murder and received a sentence of life in prison. Yeah. So how did you end up, Ma? Well, I ended up in Florida. You see, Chief, I always heard that you was an honest cop, but in my family's line of work, why, we needed the dishonest cops. <laughs> so when that Chief of Police of St. Paul got busted, well, we had to leave town. So me and Freddie, we skedaddled on down to Central Florida. Arthur went back to work in Chicago. Long about Oh, January 1935, the feds caught up with Arthur and arrested him. 
That was when they found out about our Florida hideout. And then January 16, 1935, those feds busted in and gunned me and Freddie down. Meanwhile, Arthur up in Chicago, he was convicted and sent to that new federal penitentiary, Alcatraz. Got himself killed in 1937, trying to escape. I'll tell you, my boys, it's better at getting into jail than getting out. <laughs> what a life, eh, Gus? Yeah, what a life indeed, Kate. Don Howard murder case, which many of you probably are aware of. There, there's another example of someone who could have easily gotten on uh, world's dumbest criminals. Uh, he asked several people to kill his wife. Uh, the whole thing was done uh, very sloppily. Fortunately for the public, it was. Uh, our next site, Site 8, this is another one of the sites that uh, was reprised from Part 1. It, it, it was kind of known for a while as the legendary Site 5. It was the favorite site that year, and now it's going to be Site 8. So it has to do with the Red Light District uh, on 2nd Street. Chickens, painted ladies, pink ladies, hookers, ladies of the night, doxies, strumpets. Don't forget two-streeters. How would you like to be called names like these? These are all names for the world's oldest profession. Oh, come on, you prudes. Prostitution. <laughs> well, the word comes from Latin meaning up for sale. Would you like to be thought of that way? Leno, we are part of Winona's less than glorious past. Second Street, Winona, Minnesota, USA. Yes, prostitution right here in River City. Two blocks of sin. Gambling, drinking, and women. Yes, Jane. Two blocks of brothels, also called bordellos, cat houses, boarding houses, houses, houses of the ill repute. Right, Queenie? Indeed. Winona's red light district was well known throughout the whole country. Winona was a good place to have a good time, but it certainly wasn't a good time for most of us. We weren't all here by choice. Circumstances was more the operative word for us, just... Circumstances led us into this life. Well, the term red light district is said to come from the early railroad workers who would hang out their red lanterns outside the brothels so that their crew members could come find them in case of an emergency. It is also said to have derived from the popular red light saloon in Dodge City, Kansas. Winona was about halfway between the Twin Cities and Chicago. Years ago, a major overnight stopping point. Second Street was located near the train tracks as well as the river docks, and travelers were looking for entertainment. Most of our clients were railroad workers and steamboat men. As early as 1866, Mrs. Grant and two of her girls were arrested and charged $50. I'm Jane Bailey. Although illegal, our houses were operated with the known consent and protection of the local authorities. One might even say that we and the police were in bed together, or so to speak. Bribes, free beer, and favors were exchanged for the lax enforcement of law. We madams could count on the authorities to deal with any troublemakers and rough customers. 
Well, the Winona line was operated orderly and discreetly. The women even had weekly checkups by the local physicians. On some buildings, the customers were entertained on the second floor, while on the third floor, for a small fee, you could peep down through a hole in the floor and watch the activities. <laughs> we seldom ventured out, but most of us acted like proper ladies when we did. My name is Claude Weber, and I worked for the Western Union. I sometimes ran errands for the ladies. I got mail, made bank deposits, went to the clothes store. The ladies were generous tippers. I knew what they were doing wasn't right, but they were so good-hearted and such a good source of money. <laughs> well, I know what you're wondering. How did we get into this line of business? Well, I guess the reasons are as diverse as we girls are. Some of us came from unhappy homes. Some of us were abused as children. Many of us were poor and didn't have a lot of options. Some of us wanted a taste of the good life. Some of us were married. Some of us had children. Most of us didn't stay in any place for too long. Queenie Laveau here was the exception to that. She had ran one of the classier joints in Winona for 30 years. My real name was Miss William H. Cross. <laughs> Queenie always wore a robe with two large pockets, bills in one and coins in the other. I was partial for the one with the bills. <laughs> My name's Martha. I was from a Polish family here in Winona. My parents disowned me when I went to work. Queenie was good to me and my son Tom, who was born in Queenie's place. She kept a special room in the house for all our children. Well, I was the daughter of a doctor. I used to call myself Mrs. Lionel DuPont, but people called me Leno. I used to tell the men I was of French descent. I was also disowned by my family, too. You would have found me to be well-educated and well-read. I even had knowledge of medical procedures. I used to tell people the world had three great plagues, cancer, tupicleosis, and syphilis, and I had two of them. <laughs> the end of the line for Second Street came during World War II. It was seen as sapping the war effort. Soldiers from nearby camps would travel to Winona and spend large amounts of their pay on liquor and lovin'. And then in December of 1942, the Bureau of Criminal Investigation sent 28 agents to Winona, and they raided all of the houses on 2nd Street. Eleven of us girls were arrested, six of us were charged with vagrancy, and five for maintaining a public nuisance. The six had to pay $25 fines, whereas the five had to pay $400 fines. I had a heart attack, so I wasn't thrown in jail. But most of us left town afterwards, and I remained here for four more years, living off of my wages. And then Leno left town and was never heard from again. The house was padlocked, possessions auctioned off inside. Some gentlemen bid on a favorite bed or pillow. The backbone of the prostitution industry in Winona was broken. Second Street, the Winona line, was no longer quite the good place to have a good time. We. We served an important... Yes, we served a special need and our time. And though often uh, frowned upon, we are an important part of Winona's history. Well, we did the best we could with a very dangerous and unpredictable lifestyle. And it's not like there were lots of jobs for women back then. Say, the next time you're down on 2nd Street, 
Would you look up and give us a wave? We might just whistle back down at you. <laughs> strange irony. Uh, this uh, Claude Weber that was up here, he eventually became the father of Bruce Weber, who murdered Sherlyn Howard. And in fact, they're both buried uh, at Woodlawn Cemetery. Bruce is buried at his foot. Uh, his foot. By the way, that, the big story in Winona, obviously, in August 77, was Sherlyn Howard, the murder. But nationwide, the big story three days later was that Elvis Presley was dead. It was the same week. So, um, Site, uh, site nine is murder and misfortune. Guten Tag, I am Cece Beck, and this is my wife, Margareta. Hello, I am Margareta Seidel Lichtensteiger Beck. Cece and I both lost our spouses, and we decided we would be companions for each other in our later years. My husband was quite the businessman, and he ran the Gilmore Valley Brewery for many years. And then he was a successful downtown merchant. He had a very grand home on what is now the St. Mary's University campus, and another very expensive one in town as well. Here, please. Let's start at the beginning. I was born in Germany in 1831, and I moved to Venona in 1858. And I became the sole proprietor of the Gilmore Valley Brewery. Around that time, I met and married my first wife, Alvina, when she was just 17. In 1877, I built her and I a fine home of stone and brick. Nothing was too good for the wife of Cece Beck. Yes, oh, but then sadly, in August of 1880, she passed away. Can you imagine a healthy 35-year-old woman dying from a stroke? Uh, so after that, I decided to focus on my wholesale ho retail and hardware businesses. Oh, yes. CC was quite the businessman, although I pride myself on being a good businesswoman as well. That you were, my dear. Uh, oh. One of the things I admired about you most. Oh. You brought me such joy in my later years after I lost my Alvina. Oh, and you miss it. <laughs> oh, thank you. I certainly knew tragedy in my own life. I loved both of my boys when they were mere babies. It was incredibly hard on my husband Tom would I, but perhaps it was harder for Tom. He never got over losing the boys. So in 1872, we come to Venona for a fresh start. <laughs> Tom ran a saloon on Lafayette on Second Street for many years, but, but he got peculiar his last days. One day, he tells me, He's going on the train back to Memphis to be buried with the boys. On the next morning, there he is telling me he's changed his mind. I go for the doctor. The doctor tells me he needs a good night's rest. Not an hour after he left, Tom was dead. His heart gave out. I was grief-stricken and widowed, utterly alone. I knew C.C. from his door, and when he asked for my hand, some months later, well... <laughs> wow. Oh, Thomas! Oh. Oh. Just a minute here, what sham is this? You seem to have omitted a few details of this story. Oh. Yeah, like another wife? Me. You never mentioned me, Mr. Beck. Even in your obituary, two wives that said you have. I'm Matilda Dirks Beck. I wed Mr. Beck in 1884. And I... and... I wed Mr. Beck in 1884. And just one month, one month of the day after Mr. Leakton I died. Oh, yes, Margareta. I heard all you said. 
The grief-stricken widow? What a crock! You and I had not lived happily for some time. If you knew the better meal ticket, I'd say. Dear visitors, do you not find it peculiar that just one month after Mr. Leithenshager died, I, a perfectly healthy 28-year-old, will fall ill for two weeks and then succumb, all too conveniently out of the way as well. The official cause of death, softening of the brain. Softening of the brain. The only softening of the brain I had was marrying you. 30 years older than me he was, an old man. I died September 3rd. And by Christmas time, Christmas time, three months later, these two had gotten themselves hit. No, 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 don't listen to her. Tilly was always one to get to strange notions. Strange notions, huh? I'll tell you what I think I will, I will. I'm dead now. He can't harm me, can he? Nope. I'll say it. I'll say it, I will. More than one person found it odd when I died. And he was an accomplished brewmaster, and he could make concoctions, and he sold things like rat poison. This was before all the forensic tools you have today. More than one murder in Winona's early years went unnoticed. I'm not of the mind you two didn't slip me something over those last months as well. Murder? You're daft as Tilly, Lichtensteiger. Thomas, how can you say such a thing? I heard you earlier, Margarita. Prided yourself on being a good businesswoman, did you? You certainly recognized Beck was a better meal ticket than me. I was the mother of your children. Ladies and gentlemen, I was a successful and respected member of the Venona community. I stand on my reputation. I was no murderer. Nor I. I stand on my statement. I know you slipped me something, Cece. Well, ladies and gentlemen, seems we have two versions of history here. Was it murder or misfortune? Meanwhile, the four of us in Alvina lie here for all eternity. There are as many versions of history as there are witnesses to it. Go on about your day. There are many other stories yet to be heard. But don't believe everything you read or see. Ask questions. Analyze. Think for yourselves. Murder. Or misfortune. <laughs> That, that concludes the walk this year. Thank you. Thanks again to the Winona County History Center for giving us more insight into Winona's scoundrels, scandals, and skullduggery today on Culture Click. To keep up on all things Winona and the surrounding area, tune into Culture Click Thursdays at 1230 right here on 89.5 KQAL. I'm Briley Harris, and we've been talking all about Winona's voices from the past. Cultural awareness and understanding. You've been listening to Culture Click. Support for Culture Click is made possible by the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. Culture Click is produced by KQAL-FM on the campus of Winona State University. For more information, look us up on the web at kqal.org. And thanks for listening to Culture Click.